Oh, <laughs> hey, a customer. Oh, man. Oh, all right. I got the thing right here. Uh, welcome to uh, that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting. <laughs> Otherwise known as uh, the Over Manga Cast Freelance Agency. Um, what's, uh, oh, right. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm, guess I'm here to help you. Um, you want us to read Gintama? That, that manga by, uh, that, uh, Hideki Sirachi guy? Um, I mean, sure, I guess we can, but, like, I don't know. I'm really just supposed to be manning the counter, and, like, that's a full discussion, and... Ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But we're only getting to the end of the arc with all the robots and the guys and... You, you, you know the one, yeah. And if you don't, then, hey, no spoilers. So, um, yeah, give me a second. I'll get the, the machine up and running and uh, we'll do an episode for you. Enjoy. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Welcome, everybody, to the Overmanga cast. Thank you for joining us once again. My name is Sam, and as always here at the top of the show, we talk about our familiarity with the franchise that we read this week. Honestly, who hasn't heard at least of Gintama? I will say that I have never read nor watched it, but I have heard of it. I have heard that it is exceptionally funny, that it is a top-tier manga, and that it is something that I should consume. And I'm like, yeah, that's a thing I should consume. And then I didn't. But now here we are. <laughs> okay. Uh, as always, this is Matt here. Gintama was recommended to me by some people. But before that, I have seen individual episodes of the anime completely out of context with other things just because you watch individual episodes of Gintama. They're really funny. Uh, yeah. So I, I knew the comedy I was expecting coming into this. I don't think I'd ever watched anything very early on in the series because I always just grabbed like super late on. I will say having seen like various GIFs and reaction images from Gintama used on the Internet, I, I suspected the comedy to be a bit like, um, oh, what's it called? The, the high school comedy anime with Freddie Mercury. Cromartie Boys High School. Yeah, Cromartie High. Yep. Not to I, be confused with the daily life of high school boys, which is also really funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, I expected the comedy to be a bit like Cromarty High, and I, uh, I, I, I believe that I was a bit right in that assessment. <laughs> Jacob, what's your familiarity with Gintama? I've heard of it. You know, it's it's one of those things where if you spend enough time in anime and manga culture, you're going to bump into the name Gintama. The most I've heard about like the idea of recommendations is. I basically heard like third hand from actually some of the hosts right here that it's like, I heard this is really good. We should read it. I didn't really uh, have much of an expectation, you know, what it was going to be going in other than I knew that it was a uh, parody series and primarily a comedy. And Jay, what do you know of Gintama? What don't I know of Gintama? So like everyone else, pretty much I was unable to escape the whole Gintama. Guess salt. <laughs> Yes, Gintama is everywhere. Gintama was explained to me as like being the epitome or at least a good amalgamation anime manga culture. And 
for that reason, it's been on the back burner for myself. I'm just the type of person who's just like, I need to prepare myself so I get all the references and everything. So, but I'm glad we received the recommendation to just go ahead and push forward and just read it because sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to jump in and do it. <laughs> you, you just gotta commit. And so we did. I will say, uh, perhaps my favorite thing about Gintama is incredibly stupid, but I enjoyed it quite a lot. And that is the sentence-long chapter titles. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> the title of chapter one is There is no evil in a man with a natural perm. The, the running joke of the chapter titles is they sound like nonsense sentences that barely relate to the plot that happens. And they're perfect for it. (laughs) Nonsense sentences that seem like they were told by someone who thinks they're wiser than they are. Or it's just somebody who was just kind of like backhandedly just trying to get um, get a jab in as if it was like some kind of back office, you know, like rivalry. And then they're just like, well, I'm just going to call it this. Yeah, it's kind of like. Oh, man, how do I make a shonen manga? I know each of the chapter titles have to be like deep, meaningful sayings about what it was. And it's just like, what if I just mocked that relentlessly? <laughs> well, uh, my take on it is a lot of them kind of sound like things that uh, Gein would actually say. I mean, fair. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. They, they sound like things that characters and the story would say. Yeah, such as stress is a cause of baldness, but if you work at keeping stress low, then you get more stressed, and the end result is that there is nothing we can really do. Yeah, that's a word to live by, everyone. All I'm saying is Gintama Chapter Title Generator would be a great gimmick account. That's free, you can have that. (laughs) Anyway, we start off in Edo period Japan, except there are aliens. All the aliens. And a convenience store. Um, Like, we we get established in this chapter, essentially, uh, how Gintama works is during the uh, Edo period, at some point, a group of aliens um, known as Amanto, which is not a singular group of aliens, that is the collective word for all extraterrestrial beings, came, used their superior might to cause the Shogun to surrender. And then I'd say colonize, but they actually don't. They just kind of are rich and live there. Well, they do the thing that kind of happened to Japan when they got discovered by the rest of the world. Yeah, there were a lot of parallels to actually the modernization of Japan here, which is why it was so funny. Parallels parallels is uh, a pretty mild way of putting it. Yeah, it is literally (laughs) just that time period, except swapped out foreigners for aliens, except when they just call the aliens foreigners. Like there is no subtlety to this comparison. Yeah, yeah. Have you read James Clavel's Shogun? Make it a lot more absurd. Let's let's have all the foreigners be insane parodies of people who are almost <laughs> always animals or Majin Buu lookalikes. There, there are a shocking amount of Majin Buu lookalikes, yes. They love Buu in Japan, you know this. Yeah, Buu Saga reigns supreme. Oh, no. <laughs> I, don't about, I don't know about Buu's other forms, but uh, Fat Buu is loathed in Japan. But, and Fat uh, Buu is what these people look like, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, that, that was a joke. Uh, they don't like Buu. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, that actually. <laughs> you explained the joke and now it makes more sense. Uh-huh, the joke is funnier now that you have explained it. 
<laughs> no, alternatively, I'm just dumb, but... With this thing we hate, this thing we hate, we turn it into our enemy. <laughs> There's a long gap of none of us disagreeing with Jacob. <laughs> it's true! We're all a little stupid sometimes, that's all I'm saying. Most of us. The, the important thing is that a poor boy, a poor lad, really does not know how to be a convenience store clerk and is getting roundly uh, cursed out and abused, which is a running theme in this. There's lots of yelling and cursing and physical attack. It wouldn't be a shonen without it. Because uh, essentially our uh, current main character, uh, Shinpachi, is a little nerd behind the cast register with his glasses, and he doesn't know how to operate a cast register but got hired to be a clerk. The response is just yell at him until he knows how to use one, I guess. Very few people in this have any measure of wisdom, intelligence, or compassion in them. They might have one of those three things, rarely uh, two or more. Yeah, that's a, that's a stretch, too. Like, <laughs> the, the best characters we have in this are also not <laughs> very compassionate either, like... The point is, poor Shinpachi is getting bullied, and uh, this guy with silver hair pulls out a wooden sword and brutally kills an, an uh, Amanato with it. He tipped over my chocolate sundae, and my doctor said I'm only allowed to have one of those a week because of my blood pressure. <laughs> Indeed. And that is uh, justification enough to kill a man. And so the silver haired samurai leaves. Uh, the cops show up, immediately blame Shinpachi because he's got the murder weapon. No, I don't. What? Why did he give me the sword? That That is about the level of integrity we can expect from our hero Gintoki going forward. Hey, he's got to do what's easiest. Yes. Gintoki's and mood. Dean is a mood. <laughs> Dean is upset his Sunday fell over. Does not order another Sunday because clearly he didn't eat. He can only have one. That was that one. Prepare to die. One also wonders how uh, whether or not he had the ability to pay for a second Sunday or even the first one because that comes up a lot. So I, I think Gein has money. He just doesn't pay any of his bills and occasionally gets paid for things like. Why do you think he has money? Because he constantly says he doesn't want to pay rent. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he, So the fact that he uses doesn't versus can't. That's a fair point because Gein says can. I don't trust anything Gein says. Regardless, um, they basically uh, are running from the police now because they've murdered someone. Yes. They, Gein has murdered someone. Shinpachi has just been framed for it. Unfortunately, the second you start holding the murder weapon, you're an accomplice. Um, <laughs> I mean, fair. Shinpachi on foot, somehow keeping up with Gein on his little moped. <laughs> Who knows? He's probably obeying the speed limit. Um, yeah. But uh, they end up running from the police to uh, Shinpachi's family home, which is a dojo run by his uh, sister, um... Tay. Tay? Where uh, apparently um, before swords were outlawed is the first thing that happened. Or maybe not the first thing. It's one of the things that happened when the aliens took over. Took over is a strong word, too, because the Shogun's still in charge is the thing. Like, I think there's a, just a strong implication that they are holding the strings economically. Yeah, the Shogun is officially in Again, this is exactly what happened to uh, Japan when it opened up to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was economically cinched by the balls and all the people in actual power in Japan didn't do anything about it because the system of being economically cinched by the balls gave them power and luxury. 
Yeah, it's almost like this manga was like crafted as a way to kind of vent these frustrations. I, I think it's not one for one a historical retelling, though. Oh, no. I think there's a strong metaphor, too, with the aliens taking over is that they are like the moving on of technology. Because that comes up a lot, too. Like, when the aliens took over, again, not took over, but you know what I mean. They brought with them a lot of, you know, advances. They went from Edo-era technology straight to modern-era technology, and potentially even beyond that. Like, there's... They're going to space! Mm -hmm. I want tickets to space! That's a a day trip. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, a lot of times what the aliens have, or the Amato have, like, the technology advancements, like, that's kind of considered like that's just happened like and a lot of characters we get are struggling less so with the fact aliens now control everything they're struggling more so with like their way of life has become outdated due to technology and i think that's also like equally a metaphor for like um uh 80s era japan where Mm -hmm. like uh post-war reconstruction they got like a lot of technological involvement as they became like a, a like eighties Japan was on top of the world when it came to like technological advancement because oh, yeah. like computers in particular. Because conveniently when you're rebuilding a modern society, it's real good to start from a war torn area if you've got the, like it's why Chicago got to rebuild so well after the fire. You have the space and people want to live there, like and you put in all the newest stuff. Japan is stroke was a tech giant. That's just what I'm saying is I think to like fully stay, this is a historical analog like the Amanto are like Commodore Perry. I'm not sure that's one for one because there's also strong ties of like, yeah, this is technology. Technology is advancing beyond you. Yeah. And and the world is changing is all encompassing. It's just they're also not shy about saying that, yes, this is also an allegory for for Perry as well. Yeah. Considering they use the historical names of anti uh, American, not not just American, too, because there were yeah, anti foreigner. Yeah. Like anti foreign groups, they use like just the historical name of them. <laughs> like, yep. It's the uh, foreigner expulsion party. Mm-hmm. It is it is about as subtle as a brick to the face, as most things in Gintama are. But uh, at the uh, family dojo, yep, they uh, come to the conclusion that uh, turns out if you have no students at a dojo, you end up just owing money, which in all fairness, they don't owe money from that. They owe money because uh, their father died with a lot of debts. And uh, the debt collector has come and he's like, all right, you're either going to pay up or your big sister is going to go and work in my whorehouse in the sky. Hey, 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 that's that's being a bit generous. It's not a whorehouse. It is a no underpants shabu shabu restaurant, which is some it's somehow less worse, but more so worse because like shabu shabu is boiling soup <laughs> like that's just asking for trouble there. <laughs> I mean, do they have to hike their kimonos up or no? Are people just seduced the fact that there are all these ladies are going commando? Is that the thing? That's what yeah. I'm wondering is I, I don't know who goes to a shabu shabu place. So like, oh, yeah, I want to see naked girls in addition to my shabu shabu. That's like it's an inherently ridiculous concept. That's the point. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, if you go in expecting logic from Gintama, you're going to be sorely disappointed. The point is that Shinpachi is incredibly concerned with his big sister not going commando. Shinpachi is incredibly concerned with his sister's virtue. Yeah. His sister is much less concerned about her own virtue. She goes and works in the red light district after this. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the one thing I had to double check when she goes up in a previous chapter. 
she proceeds to get essentially the exact same job, but on her terms. Yeah. Yeah. She just doesn't want to be forced into it. You know what? Good for her. Which, in all fairness, her boss in the the Shabu Shabu, uh, which is in a floating ship, because apparently something about that is illegal. Despite the fact we see her in a very similar job on Earth, Gin and Shinpachi have to uh, go up there and they fight. Bye. It's important to note how they get up there is that uh, Gein and Shinpachi are riding the moped towards the place and they're like, how are we going to get up there in the sky? And then the cops come by in a uh, floating car like, hey, dumbass, you're driving without a helmet. Don't worry. My head is very hard. That's not the point. <laughs> oh, hey, your car can fly, right? Yeah, cool. We're hijacking it. We need to get up to that boat. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> At which point he headbutts the cop and... Uh... They hijack a police car, yeah. Yeah, hard cut to the, the car smashing through the side of the flying ship. Yeah, yep. just just as um, Tay's boss decided to go from I am creepy boss to I am handsy boss, at which point Gin hits him with a sword. <laughs> and <laughs> the entire ship with a sword? Because it does crash afterwards. No, uh, Gein hits him with a sword and he's like, all right, you two get out of here. I'll hold them off. And they they start running. And then like two panels later, Gein is chasing after them like there's too many dudes. I can't hold them off. And Shinpachi says, you didn't last a page. Yeah, yeah, because because Gein is shown in protagonist up until he gets tired. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> up until he stops caring. I said it before. Gein is a mood. Yes, he is. Gein is 100% shonen protagonist who who does not care and is very self-interested. Like, (laughs) and the reason the ship crashes is because they find the uh, the engine room and Gein slashes the engine. Yep. Okay, so Gein did blow up the ship. Good. That's what I thought happened. (laughs) Because the illegal brothel crash landed, it was then on Earth soil. So the Amanto running it could be arrested. And Shinpachi found something compelling about Gein and decided to join the freelancer agency. With Tay ending the adventure saying, I'm also still going to have to pay off father's debt. And then gets a job at a brothel. Uh, It's technically not a brothel. It's more like a maid or a hostess club is probably more so. It's a hostess thing. But she would be able to maintain her panties. Tay is not nearly as concerned with virtue uh, as her brother is. But she's not totally unconcerned with it either. She's more so what she says is, yeah, that kind of weird to be put in this situation. But also, there is a thing I care about more, and that's like taking care of my father's legacy. She's got morals. She's just also got a list of them she will give up on in order of importance. Like, yeah, she she's got a tier list of which one she wants to stick to. Like all like all the heroes in Gintama, they're very pragmatic. Like idealists are not really considered good people in this manga. (laughs) Like Gin's biggest ideal is he will protect what he wants to protect. He will he will protect the things within arm's reach because that's what he can do. Yep. I think that's a speech he gives in the first chapter. No, it, it comes up later, but he says, uh, wherever my sword can reach is my country. Mm hmm. Which great line. It, it's a really good line. Shinpachi needs to get a job because his sister didn't quite kick him out, but he ends up living with Gin. I don't remember the dialogue around that. So essentially the dojo is sitting vacant or she's the only one living there. I don't remember why she particularly kicked him out. I think it was over the disagreement between how they were going to pay for the dojo. Well, no, the main thing is Shinpachi really idolizes Gin. 
So he, he's going to follow him because he's found something to actually believe in. Because before he was a samurai, didn't want to adjust to the new life and was like refusing to learn how our cash register works. Yep. Mm-hmm. But now he's like, oh, cool. I'll follow Gein because Gein seems to know what he's doing. Later, Little did he learn. <laughs> Gein has no idea what he's exactly. doing. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you followed the wrong guy. I'm just really confident about it. Confidence is sexy. He, he joins Gein's uh, freelancer industry, which is essentially, I don't really want to work, but I'll take odd jobs. <laughs> like, yeah. He's a task rabbit. You got a job for me? Cool. I have a job for you. I've lost my pet. He's not really offered that. He's kidnapped by the police. Yeah, because they remembered he's a former samurai, so he could, you know, do this. Everyone who's important in this series recognizes Gein is the thing. (laughs) The Shinsengumi, the the police that serve the Shogun and the current status quo. They are the only people legally allowed to carry swords because they are the police force. Yeah, the human police force, I suppose, because there's mm. there's also technically a police force that I think has a motto in it, but whatever. They're the human police force, and they're a bunch of idiots, like most people in this manga. <laughs> oh, the Shinsen Gumi are great when they're not the main characters of a skit. Gein and Shinpachi are uh, kidnapped, essentially, by Shinsen Gumi and told, you gotta find uh, this Amanato Princess Pat. And it's like... Why, why do we have to do that? Why can't you do that? Just, I don't care. Just bring the pet back unharmed. What? OK, what's the pet? It's that kaiju that's destroying this building. Oh, well, that's dumb. I'm just going to kill it. No, don't kill it. The prince will be mad. Too late. I killed it. It was eating. It was eating my friend. So I killed it. And then the Shinsengumi officer uppercuts the prince and loses his job. He becomes a character later. I don't remember his name. He is Sunglasses Man. He is Sunglasses Man. Yes. Oh, thank you. I realize now I'd been confusing him with another character and I thought Sunglasses Man came out of nowhere. But that makes sense now. Mm -hmm. No, Sunglasses Man is the one that uppercuts the prince. Yeah, I made that mistake as well. If I, I think I confused Sunglasses Man with the same character. With the stalker who comes up next. Yep, yep. In all fairness, they have essentially the same black haircut. The difference is one of them wears sunglasses. They have the same haircut and the same goatee. Their faces are distinguishable if you set them against each other. And sunglasses man smokes constantly. Yeah. Next lesson, which the chapters are called lessons in this. Gin really wants to uh, get the new uh, issue of Shonen Jump, which came out on a Saturday today. But uh, he might be a little too old for Shonen Jump, but he's young at heart. Because apparently Gein's got a sponsorship deal for the magazine he's in. (laughs) I believe it. I do love the fourth wall breaking of this is a manga. Gintama is definitely the most shonen jump manga I've ever read. Unfortunately, on their way to pick up the newest issue uh, on the moped, Shinpachi and Gein run over a uh, woman dressed in... A Chinese dress and those like little hair buns. Run her right the hell over. <laughs> and Gein's just like, no, no one saw. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Shinpachi, why'd you get so heavy? Oh, the girl we ran over is holding the moped. Oh, Wait. no. Yes. And it turns out uh, she is uh, a very strong alien. Her name is Kagura. She is from the Yato clan, a very warlike clan that uses a gun umbrella as a weapon. Also, I would like dear users to know she is a mot- an Amanto. Uh, this is the last time the manga will ever tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it gets complicated after this part. 
It, it's it's yeah. interesting because every other time a character refers to uh, the character known as um, Kagura, she's a Yamato whose entire motivation is she wants to go back home into space. Mm-hmm. Yep. Except every time a character refers to her from now on, they will just describe her as the Chinese girl. The Chinese girl, the spicy Chinese girl. As most Amato are just like animals mixed with human beings. Or boo lookalikes. Like this is a cat Amato. I can only assume she must be a Chinese Amato because, jeez, does this manga not differentiate at all? Planet of China. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe China is a separate planet in Gintama. That is the only way this makes sense. Like, <laughs> the amount of times they use Chinese to describe her is insane. It, it's pointed out that her cla- that her particular, like, alien species looks an awful lot like humans, and she wears Chinese, tra- like, traditional Chinese outfits. So, like, it's reasonable that people could mistake her for a human who is from China. And that's usually how it's framed when someone calls her, you know, the Chinese girl or the spicy Chinese Mm -hmm. girl. They're generally not told that she's Yato clan, and that's usually a surprise to people because the Yato clan they mention is nearly extinct, so you don't see them around very often. Also known for their super strength, in case we forgot to mention that. And also their skin is super sensitive to the sun. That is mentioned, I think, once or twice, and then there's times where yeah. she's out in daylight. So, well, yeah, that's why that's why she has an umbrella that she uses occasionally. Like it, yeah. <laughs> yep. Do not come into this expecting logic. If it's not funny, it's not coming up. Is really the yeah. Yes. But anyway, the Yakuza are chasing her after, and like everything else in these first three chapters, uh, Gin takes out his sword and saves the day because he's real good at fighting. He just doesn't like doing it because it doesn't yep. actually solve most of his problems. Is really what it comes down to. <laughs> and honestly, that's a that's a good point. And I, I do like that they establish that he is as good as he thinks he is. He just chooses to act like a putz most of the time because there's a lot of times where he'll like lose fights. If they didn't establish that he was actually legitimately a badass, it would be easy to assume that he's just full of bluster. But they make a point of establishing that no, Gein really is that good. He's just throwing the fights because it, it gets the scene over quicker in most cases, he doesn't actually care about winning this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't help him is is really what it comes down to. Let's see. So the next chapter is mostly just a joke that the apartment they rent is on the second floor above the hostess club that Shinpachi's sister works at called the uh, the snack bar. The snack bar, which is a snack for both your stomach and your eyes, I think is what the, yeah. the slogan yeah. is. It is a haven for, for men or something like that. It's a cheap gentleman's club, kind of like. So they are up there and uh, Otose is the landlady and uh, madam of this establishment. She's an older woman uh, whose gimmick entirely just seems to be she's smoking and mean. Which, yeah. I mean, fair. It's a good gimmick. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It is adequate gimmick. I really like the characterization for both her and Gein in this chapter. Uh, they do a lot to humanize them both. The interactions we see in between them is her constantly like, Gein, why haven't you paid your rent? I don't want to. Also, I did something for you. Isn't that worth rent? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, no, you rotten old hag? What do you mean you have two other people living in your apartment? Because uh, Kagura is now lives with the Yeah, Gein of course. Industry, and is also eating them out of house and home so because she eats a lot just i guess because of her uh, amano status but like 
the joke seems to be the way they feed her is every time she is seen eating, it is at some kind of um, like all you can eat, get it free challenge. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's very efficient, right? <laughs> to the point where like uh, in another chapter, uh, a guy walks up and says, you have 30 seconds left. And Gene turns to Kagari is like, don't chew, just chug. I didn't bring money. But essentially uh, the plot of this chapter is um, Otose has a bartender i think she is essentially who is a a cat amanto um catherine cat her, her, her name is catherine which is entirely on purpose i'm sure <laughs> um but she is not a cat in the same way the guy in the beginning was a puma amanto she is just a cat girl she just has ears just has yeah. the cat ears i don't think she even has a tail I do like the little um, the little note in the corner uh, when she's introduced uh, the love child of Rockley and a cat girl. Yes, I loved it. They just had to mention very severe features on her as well that were very distinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She she is not an attractive looking cat girl. Is the important bit, I suppose. Whoa. She she is a handsome woman. Yeah, she is a very. Yeah. Handsome she is not woman. traditionally attractive. I'm sorry. I should have. Or maybe just not. No, I, I will comment on how I feel someone looks. OK, I, th- I think not a, not traditionally attractive is an appropriate way of putting I, it. I think that's 100 percent fair. She has a very strong jawline and like bushy eyebrows. Yeah. Like, I mean, like the other thing is the characters mock her relentlessly for her looks. Yeah. Uh, also, main cast are a bunch of dicks whenever <laughs> someone comes up. We, we will get to him, girl. She does not deserve that, but we will get to her. (laughs) Yeah, I have feelings about that. So essentially the plot of this is there is a string of cat burglaries going around and it turns out the culprit is the bartender Otose just hired, Catherine, who. Oh, my God, I just got that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that she's a cat burglar. Yeah. Yeah. It is very quickly paced where the police come in and say, hey, is there anyone suspicious? And everyone vouches for the new character, Catherine. Like Kagura pins, pins on Gein. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, she does that. <laughs> they turn around to gesture to this innocent uh, young lady over here, and she's missing because she's already taken the cash register, picked the lock on Gein's uh, moped, and is driving away. Has, has loaded the moped up with a bunch of stuff she stole from the bar. like Including the cash register, yeah. Uh, and essentially, they chase her down, um, catch her, and there is a like pretty because emo- normally the structure for a Gintama story is comedy beat comedy beat plot comedy in the plot and then it ends on here's a somber note of a life lesson comedy beat hilariously derailing one-liner <laughs> <laughs> that's it forwards backwards and sideways that's essentially um what uh the like the after school special for um this one is is Catherine telling otose as she's being caught, like, you, you've got too much of a kind heart. You shouldn't trust people against their nature. And like, yeah. Otosu's like, no. <laughs> and uh, she tells the story of how uh, she and Gein met. It's like she doesn't say that it's Gein, but it's, you know, it's pretty obvious even before they reveal who it is. Because mm-hmm. um, she's talking about how, um, you know, she's she's taken a chance on scumbags before and Mm -hmm. they've panned out for me and I'm not gonna change my ways at which point, you know, Gein pops out. The story she tells is that she went to visit her husband's grave and leave offerings and someone sitting behind the grave was like, hey, 
Are you going to eat those? Well, they're for my husband. You should ask him. And then the guy behind the grave takes the offerings and eats them. <laughs> Didn't even ask him. <laughs> Didn't even ask. He's dead. What does he care? <laughs> yeah. But Atose says, what did he say? And uh, it cuts to, you know, present day back to them on the bridge. And she said, the person who ate the offerings said that he promised my husband that uh, since it seems this old bag doesn't have anything else left in the world, I'll protect her with everything I've got. And then, you know, cut to Gein leaping out of the canal, clobbering Catherine. Because Catherine's about to run Otose down with uh, Gein's moped. I think I might have misread that. I thought he said this old bag doesn't seem like she's got much left to live. So I guess I'll protect her until she dies. It's kind of both. Okay. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little backhanded. It's extremely backhanded because it's Gein and he can't just be nice. This will probably only be like a couple of years of work. I can do that. The other thing that I thought was kind of a nice moment and shows a little bit of the depth of Gein. You know, there's this stuff about how he makes the promise to her late husband that he'll protect her. You know, she mentions this guy didn't even bother uh, asking for permission. And then she says, uh, he's dead. Why should I ask permission? But he then thanks her late husband afterward. I think very indicative of the of the way that Gein thinks. Giving thanks for someone, even if they're past, makes sense but why would you ask permission from someone who's already dead it's not like they can answer you he's a thankful person he's just not going to do things for the sake of niceties that uh, lesson wraps up and then in the next chapter uh the gang gets tricked into domestic terrorism <laughs> <laughs> this will not be the last time this is the yeah. most overt one, though, because they are run through a scam where um, it's revealed to be a scam afterwards. But we're looking at it from a God's eye view. It's also pretty obvious in advance. It's just all the characters are very dumb. Mm -hmm. uh, a mailman has fallen over. I believe he says he was hit by a car or something uh, and essentially um, says outside of the uh, agency. I have this very important package that needs to go to the Eno embassy. It looks really important. Could you take it there, please? I'll get fired if this doesn't make it. And Gein's just like, uh, fine. I guess we can do it. Come on, crew. We got a job. Yeah. And then they go to the Inu embassy, which is run by dog people, because there is no subtlety in this series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to say, uh, the once they mentioned Inu, I'm like, they had to better be dog people for that name. <laughs> I mean, they had cat people. They better have dog people. They better have pigeon people. Fair. They probably do. Um, and in all fairness, uh, the cast was watching a uh, news broadcast about the fact that uh, various Amanto embassies have been bombed recently yep. by terrorist attacks. So that only comes up when Yin is at the gate and the guard is saying, we're not taking packages. Have you not heard about the bombings that have been going on? Like, no visitors. Go away. And he's like, come on, I'll get in trouble. I'll just throw it over. And he throws it over the fence. The guard looks, what did you just do? And the second it hits the ground, it's revealed to be a bomb and explodes the embassy. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> to which um, Gein, Shinpachi, and Kagura all go like, well, we're getting out of here. <laughs> I love Gein's nonplussed reactions to everything. Like, he just stands there looking at the explosion, hair blown back with the most. 
Well, look on his face. It's beautiful every time. Yeah, so uh, they all start running, but they are quickly surrounded by guards. But who is this? But a, a strange samurai has appeared and uh, beats up some of the guys to help get them out of there. And it is, uh, I, I can't, no, his name is not Zaru? Zaru, but I literally can't remember what it is because he never calls him by his proper name. Katsaru. Katsaru, yeah. Katsara Kotaru. I mean, the running joke with this character is everyone calls him Zara. It's a, it's a mispronounced shortened version of his name he's not pleased with. Look, he's got his long hair, like anime antagonist nonsense going on. Like he and like he's like the least antagonistic antagonist. Or the leader of a terrorist cell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. look, all he wants is these damn foreigners out of his country. Constantly, like very level headed. Like he gets into a taxi and and when asked, where do you want to go? And he says to an alien free Japan. Yeah. Look, everyone who got on that task taxi asked for something stupid. So, yeah, we'll get to that one. That was probably the least dumb suggestion. But Gein and the gang are uh, taken to a hotel by uh, Zura, who is like, yes, you were involved in a terrorist plot. What you going to do about it? You should totally join us. Dude, what the f***? No, I stopped fighting the Amanado, uh, the Amanado after the war. Ah, uh, yes, the war. Flashback. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Gein was in the war with the rest of the samurai trying to prevent the Amanado from taking I think, over. I think he was a commander, too. Like, he's he's in charge of his division. This is and another case where it shows what Gein can really do. Like, uh, his flashback shows him when he's actually trying which is really impressive, because if you do the math, I think he has to be like 16 in that flashback at the oldest, because the war was 20 years ago. Yep. And Gein is not an old guy by far. He is probably like mid 30s at the lightest. Like, yeah, I, I mean, the way he's drawn, he looks like he's in his early 20s, which he obviously can't be. War ages you. That or they're saying tw 20 years ago is like a rounding error. Yeah. Look, this manga doesn't care about numbers and neither should we. The police then find out, interrupt the flashback to arrest these people. The Shinsengumi show up again. A bunch of whom were also in the war. Yep. Are you flashing it back about stuff that we were in? I remember that flashback. Why don't you know we're now ordained police? But uh, then they have a sticky bomb that they keep passing around because yep. it gets set off. Yep, and then Gein leaps out a window and yeets it into the sky. I mean, the sequence of events is Zora is like, here, Gein, since you're going to get lumped in with us terrorists, now you're going to have to be a terrorist. I don't want to be a terrorist. Well, I've already handed you the bomb. Kagura, hold this. I'm going to explain to you why I'm not going to be a terrorist. And then Kagura uh, steps in between them. I was playing with the bomb and I started the countdown. And that's when the police show up. I feel bad forgetting that because I really actually love that in exchange. <laughs> I don't want to be a terrorist. The bomb's activated. Oh. oh, and then there's also the funny bit with Gin yelling at the police. Don't you have a bomb disposal unit, please? I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want this to happen. Please get the bomb disposal unit. He's running at us with a bomb. <laughs> no, you idiots. I won't get to the window in time. So uh, Kagura uh, bats him out with the with it, her uh, umbrella. Uh, and he throws it up into the air and explodes outside. And then the Shinsengumi have like a, ah, uh, yes, he died nobly, but he's just hanging on to a banner outside the building. <sighs> it was fun.
Anyway, that was real serious. You guys want to talk about a dad escaping jail to go to his daughter's idol concert? Uh, this might have been my favorite chapter. I loved this one. <laughs> it's it's real good. That's a minor spoiler for the series, but um, for the concert. But please, you should have read it by now. I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shinpachi tells Gein and Kagura that they're ridiculous because, uh, to be fair, they are. And he leaves them be because they were out doing something i don't know they were doing something stupid as usual it was doing something stupid that got him caught by a <laughs> escaped prisoner and then uh, the escaped prisoner drops down and uh, essentially takes gene and kagura hostage well, and he's, <laughs> he specifically takes kagura uh hostage and like it is painfully obvious that she could just flick him and send him into the stratosphere. She just chooses not to because she doesn't care. He doesn't like the police. So through a series of wacky shenanigans involving hostages that really should not be hostages, uh, they end up at an idol concert for uh, Otsu-chan. Because uh, that is the escaped prisoner's one wish he wants to do on a single day of freedom. Because he says escaping from jail has gotten a lot harder. You probably can't do it forever like you used to, which is really interesting because I want to know the frame of reference this guy had for being in jail 20 years ago and escape like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Uh, we learn that um, this guy is married to the manager of the idol and that they are, in fact, the idol's parents. Interesting. Interesting layer there. Fairly obvious where it was going, but. Well executed in that and can't really ask for more than that. Yeah, it, it was a it was a fun chapter. Uh, I will point out the, the villain of this is an alien that when it gets very excited, eats the people it loves and it loves the idol. So it's going to eat her and they ha they have to fight it. <laughs> Thankfully, Shinpachi is here because he is the captain of uh, Otsu-chan's Imperial Guard. <laughs> I, I forgot Shinpachi's one personality trait gets defined in this chapter. He is a part of her most ardent fan club and they form a paramilitary unit to protect her. <laughs> this does come up again. Of course, the alien that attacks her was also part of that group, but you know, that's yeah. that's its own thing. That is its own thing. And then Gein shows up and defeats the alien. And there's a very touching moment where the father trying to disguise himself because he doesn't want his daughter to see him as this disgraced criminal puts a bag over his head and gives her flowers. Oh, and she immediately recognizes. They go into uh, her past and uh, apparently she started off tone deaf. She just absolutely could not sing. So her father jokingly said, um, after your first concert, I'll give you a bouquet of a thousand roses. He's saying this whole time, she was so young when that happened and I've been in jail so long, she probably doesn't even remember I exist. He ends up managing, the best he can do is like four dandelions in a in like a paper That Gein found. And um, he hands that to her and starts walking away, thinking he's being all cool and mysterious. And as he's leaving, Otsu calls uh, back to him. Try to get roses next time, Dad, which is really sweet. It, it's, a, yep. it's a very sweet chapter. Yep. Those things stick with you as a child. They do. But uh, next chapter is just fun. So it's a individual who frequences um, the hostess club that uh, Tay works at. Uh, where he falls in love with her and proposes because he says, no woman will ever love me because I have a hairy ass. And she says, I like hairy asses. And he's like, oh, 
<laughs> and that's the plot. That's I mean, for the whole chapter. You brought it on yourself, lady. Well, the plot for the whole chapter is he's stalking her. And... Because she fed into his insecurity. You sensed it. He only would go there if he was insecure. And you fed into it. In all fairness, she is a hostess. Probably shouldn't. It's her job to do that. To be a little more mindful. But anyway, yeah. regardless, he takes it way too far. He doesn't just keep showing up at her job is the difference. Like if if you had a customer at a hostess buffet who kept coming to you each night, that's a different story. That's what I mean. As a hostess, there's also an awareness there of you're going to run into creepers. This guy's a super creeper. <laughs> this guy. And to illustrate this, he answers to stalker. Yeah, he does. He does, <laughs> he does answer to Stalker. And also to illustrate this, he climbs the telephone pole outside of the Shimura family dojo mansion and screams over the wall, Otase, marry me! That's how you marry women, by wearing them down. Well, unfortunately, uh, Tay is not available to marry because she is engaged to uh, Ginsan. <laughs> I knew it! She has already done this, that with him. And the other thing? We never said the other thing. <laughs> Such a funny exchange. It's really good. So uh, naturally, oh, by the way, we didn't mention, but Stalker is part of the Shinsengumi. Of course. Yeah, this is this is the character who looks almost identical to Glasses Man. This, this is where me and Jacob confused him with the other guy. I did. I did eventually put together the the thing that tipped it off to me was that the Stalker was never not part of the Shinsengumi, whereas Glasses Man you know, gets fired from them and never goes back on. That was when I'm like, wait a minute. These these two can't be the same character, right? This comes to a head where instead of like using this as a deflecting thing or anything, Gein essentially um, gets challenged to a one-on-one -on -one fight with Tay as the prize, to which Gein goes, that's dumb. Women can't be prizes. Tell you what, I'll put my life on the line. You can kill me and then you can go after her all you want. I won't be able to stand in your way, but if I win... You just stop this nonsense. And he's just like, oh, what a bold, manly thing you've done. I'll use a wooden sword, too, because I can see you're using a wooden sword. No, and Gin goes, cool, here, use mine. Hey, Shinpachi, let me use your sword. And then drops down. And then the fight begins as they fight his two honorable duelists. Wait, nope. Gin's sword breaks in one hit because he goes, you idiot, you let your opponent give you their weapon. <laughs> I he was late to the fight because he was in the can and what he was actually doing was he was damaging his own wooden sword <laughs> so blade so break he has a very like shonen <laughs> protag speech about how important this wooden sword is to him as he's tossing it to the stalker who i'm sure has a name other than stalker but that's what all they ever address him as as he's tossing it you can see the um the tourist trap yeah it's labeled with a label yeah it's it's a lake that he bought it as a souvenir at like so uh that happens and uh all of the shinsengumi are like wow that guy uh oh oh yeah no, that was the captain stalker's the, the captain of the shinsengumi and the vice captain is like so our captain got beat you're all supposed to act surprised shoot them with a rocket launcher boom okay the captain got beat the captain got beat no way <laughs> And now you're laying it on too thick. Shoot him again. <laughs> and then this chapter is the Sinsengumi attempting to get revenge, and then they don't because... Um, 
they are butt monkeys. Yep, that's that's what Shinshingumi chapters are. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of them. <laughs> no, I think you're right. They are best when they are not the main characters of a skit. They, they have a few skit uh, l- chapters where they are the main focus. I don't think those are as entertaining as the Gintama crew being the main focus and them being either antagonist or like tertiary characters. Anyway, I'm pretty sure I accidentally skipped the next chapter because I don't remember Sadahara showing up. Uh, Kagura gets a giant dog. You don't remember them getting the dog? I don't remember them getting the dog. The dog just showed up. Uh, well, yeah, the dog just shows up, and then that entire chapter is just... It's just the dog's jokes over and over again, Sam. Yeah, you, it's... You might have... Do you remember Do you remember the dog sitting in the box saying, for the um, freelancer agency? Because <laughs> that's, no. that's all... It, oh, okay, cool. You might have just skipped this chapter. That's literally it. it. You didn't miss much. You find the dog in the box, and then the dog... They play with the dog. There's, and a, said, there's a note under the collar that says, take care of this dog and not much else, not even a name. Yeah, because they go back and forth on whether or not she stole this dog, you know, because this was I don't know if in context it was supposed to be right after they did that pet rescue. And I think they're supposed to be drawing a connection between the the alien prince He's, he appears in this chapter, but I don't think that's he the He tries point. to kidnap the dog. So yeah. He clearly didn't know. He just knew it's like a rare breed of like God dog is what he calls it. But like the fun bit of. Um, oh, Kami. The entire the entire joke of this chapter is um, uh, no, Sadaharu isn't playing with you. He's trying to bite you. Yeah, the funny the funny bit is normally how this would go is, ah, uh, yes, the dog hates everyone but the girl. Except Kagura is also being attacked by the dog. She's just strong enough to evade him. She's just yep. super strong and therefore misinterprets his aggression as playing. Yes. She also has a really weirdly sad story about how she killed her pet bunny. Yes, that is also in this chapter. Uh, she crushed it too much in her sleep. Oh. Because she she's super strong. <laughs> um. It's really weird and uh, not sure uh, what they were going for tone wise, but. Uh, They're trying to emphasize how strong this girl is like it's it's a strength that she does not activate. She just is. J- Jacob, if I'm going to analyze it, it's probably shock humor. Like, that's probably the, like, oh, cute girl with a bunny. There must have been some. Oh, no, because like the, mm-hmm. the result is the bunny is exploded <laughs> like. It is an over-exaggeration of what you think would happen. Or you you would think they won't tell this story, and then it just does the thing. You, like, it's subverting expectations to a degree. But also, the main joke of this is the dog attacks people. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the dog is more a wolf than a dog. Uh, or of an old commie. Anyway, uh, the next one is um, Gin, or is it Shimpachi? Shimpachi ends up in the hospital. Yeah, because in oh, for the car in, crash, yeah. yep. Yeah, the in the dog getting stolen, the car crashed into Gene and Shimpachi, and Shimpachi got most of the damage. Yeah, the dog uh, Gene is fine, and the dog is fine. But uh, Shimpachi is ended up in the hospital, and they yell at him because he has a roommate who is an old man who talks about how his lost love was. There was a girl I knew who owned a dongo stand. Did you say general store? <laughs> Allow me to tell you my entire backstory. And then he gives like the most like by the books old man telling a story about a lost love. Like there's a Hollywood playbook about this backstory scene It's like purposefully. They separate as a little bit more Gintama than Hollywood would do. But 
I was a young ruffian on the street, and I, I was super poor. I barely got any food, but this nice lady at the dumpling stand gave uh, all of the poor kids free dumplings. She was the most beautiful and kind woman I've ever seen. She also lost her hairpin, and I've had it all these years. And then you start looking at the page count, and you're like, this is a 20-page chapter, and we're 16 pages in. How could they possibly know who this woman is? There's literally only one person it could possibly be. I'm glad that it was who uh, you knew it was going to be, because honestly, that element of Otose's character is already set up mm -hmm. and foreshadowed in um, Lesson 4. Mm -hmm. Like, we already know that she is a good person at heart. Yeah, and it's, it's a really nice scene. Yeah, and what she got for being a good person was she got fired from a job she really liked. Well, she got a new job that she likes more, which is being a <laughs> landlord who never gets paid and the owner of a... Oh, you're right. Maybe maybe she did lose out there. <laughs> but no, um, she is brought back to the hospital where she meets the man as he is dying. He's about... Yeah, he's about to expire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he sees her as she was when he first met her and is thankful that he got to meet her again before he died. And give back the hairpin. It's so wholesome. It's, it's a very sweet ending. Well, also the fact that he's basically a ladies' man. So the fact that he's just like... Yeah, no one else was there for him in his final mm -hmm. moments. Yeah. yeah, like his his main crux is I spent my time chasing after like women who I just like treated as like fun times. And it's on my deathbed. I regret not being nicer, not uh, ever finding the woman who was kind to me. Oh, yo, yo, we actually get to an arc here. Uh, <laughs> we get to the uh, Harusame arc, which is the... Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about the main character in there, but um, about uh, the drug trade and starts giving us a little bit of lore into uh, like how the Amanto are maybe actually like a negative force, because the most we've seen of them so far is they're just jerks. But like this one actually gives us some like, oh, wait, no, they're like funneling crime into the country. Well, most of the Amano are horrible jerks, but also... Basically, all of the humans are at least as bad, too, because basically everybody's a jerk. That's the joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, well, everyone's a jerk because you're essentially in a slum for most mm -hmm. of it. Like, no one has a great life or they have a great life at the expense of others is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's because it's like a it's like a cultural clash that's ongoing. So everyone's collectively miserable because there's no concrete. It's the growing pains of a changing time. But anyway, uh, the uh, freelancers are hired to find the daughter of a like rich and prominent human group. Uh, I have their name, the Guntoki family. Um, and the reason they don't go to the police with this is important is because they know their daughter is a rebel and kind of like counterculture. And they know she's into drugs. So when they say find our daughter, they're like, she's probably at a drug den. Please bring her back without her being arrested is the why you would go to freelancers for this as opposed to police. Uh, and this is a really good story that is broken up by the fact that all of the main characters refuse to refer to her as anything other than ham because she is overweight. She is plus sized and they are very mean about it. But I mean, that's where the cultural rub is. Like in Asia, if you have an auntie who will just they'll tell you you're fat. You are fat. You are a fat child. They don't say, oh, you look like you've put on a few pounds. They'll like tell you you are a fatty. So, like that's, that's the thing, though, is 
I would be more accepting is if they were better jokes. But the joke is literally just ham. It's it's ham. It's like cool. But, but, it's it, not... but I don't. But I mean, that's not a joke. It's a descriptor. She is the fat one. But they're playing it like jokes. That's the way it's. Yeah, it's playing they're it like definitely joke. jokes. <laughs> like there's misconceptions. Like they're misunderstanding the sentence because are you talking about ham? But like. There, there, it, there's a funny ham joke later on, but like at this point, I've been worn down by <laughs> not it being a joke. Mm -hmm. It's just mean spirited and unpleasant. Yep. I yeah, I guess, but it's just a cultural thing. Yep. I mean, in all fairness, it's not like any of the characters in this chapter are particularly nice. Like even when we meet the girl, she's not great. Like yeah. In this chapter, I agree with that. In the chapter where she returns is where it really started to grate on me and actually make me angry. Because honestly, she's one of the few good people in this series. And the fact that they're that mean to her just annoyed me. When we get to that chapter, we'll we'll talk about how good she is. But yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that's kind of hampering on the fact. Our for goodness is very low in this series. <laughs> Regardless, none of that's important because like the main there's like two sections of actual plot we read in our reading. And this is one of them mm. uh, specifically of the drug trade from the space pirate group. Mm -hmm. They are they are selling the taste of reincarnation drug, which just seems like really, really, really good opium. I mean, they call it that later. <laughs> yeah. But it's space opium. Did you know it can only be grown on a planet on the far reaches of the solar system? It's grown by space elves. It's me, the evil space elf, which um, there's a fun bit where they immediately go to the bar she frequents uh, to find her. And for some reason, Gein gets diarrhea. I don't remember why. Me neither. But it's funny. What did yeah. he eat at the bar again? He, he ate something that really disagreed with him and had to go to the bathroom. Like, was there a purpose of that or was it just like, haha, you got diarrhea kind of was that? I, I, I would be accepting of that joke. It, it's yeah. funny because it, it sets up being in the bathroom at a CD bar, which is just like a which common is an experience. Thing. It's, it's definitely an experience of like, this looks like a place where people sell drugs. And then he gets to be in the stall where someone then tries to buy drugs from him. And he's like. I, I am pooping, buddy. <laughs> and there's, there's a great back and forth of like, what do you mean the usual? I guess it's a little more runny than usual. Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> so there we go. That's the explanation for why he had diarrhea. He needed to have that bathroom exchange. Yeah, yeah. That joke needed to happen. <laughs> I'm sure there's a reason. It's just it wasn't necessary to explain it either. Like, yeah. But um, anyway, uh, what happens is they reveal that they were holding the daughter hostage for the drug deal to take place. Didn't she owe money? She, like she was the one trying pool. to buy, wasn't she? No, yeah, she she went into the bathroom trying to buy drugs, but she had a tab that she wasn't paying. So mm -hmm. when the actual drug dealers show up, yeah. they immediately attack uh, her. And that makes more sense. OK. Cool. That, that that makes a lot of sense then. I think I think I misread that scene, but that's fine. So essentially the drug dealers show up. She is taken away because she no longer has daddy's money. Gein saves her. But unfortunately, while he was waiting, Kagura and Shinpachi get drugged by space elves. God damn Eldar knife ears. Grandpa, you can't say those things. They're Eldar. 
This is 40K. It's definitely not 40K. Suffer not the Xeno to live. Grandpa, you can't say those things. <laughs> yeah, and, and the situation really comes down to Gein was treating this like one of the normal like wacky shenanigans he gets into, not realizing that he was actually up against uh, people who were serious threats. And he notices that his friends are not in funny haha danger, but actual danger uh, a little bit too late. But that doesn't stop him from putting on the serious Gin face and murdering people <laughs> like yeah he he kills the evil elf and several other goons before getting taken down and needing to be uh rescued by uh zura well he takes down most of the space pirates is what we get told from the aftermath like Gein yep. killed a lot of people he did yeah don't mess with his family because he, he he realized the direness of the situation, but just a bit too late because the leader was able to uh, mm -hmm. blindside him while he was killing all the other space pirates. He goes out a window, protects Kimiko. Thank you for remembering her name, Jake. It annoyed me so much I made a point of doing that. Yes. They both go out a window and he's able to shield her as they fall so he's he's pretty noticeably beaten up from the um situation he'd been stabbed uh he broke his uh left arm and some ribs and uh she didn't suffer any external uh damage but um she's you know pretty uh messed up herself so she's out for basically the rest of the arc she's high on opium is also that's also true yeah, yeah. she's not feeling any pain <laughs> She's not. Yeah, but she's not in a good place is the. Uh, yeah, we go into a uh, rescue mission, which uh, the most logical thing to do is, uh, well, they're space pirates. We'll dress up as pirates and and say that we're looking for what was the it's it, it's one something uh, one patch. I, I forgot. Is this where he gets the where he gets the cap pirate captain thing? Oh, yeah. he teams up with the. Oh, I thought that was from. OK, I confused that with the, the next time he teamed up with uh, his terrorist friend. Was yeah, they, yeah, they dress up like space pirates because they got to find one patch. <laughs> I'm looking for the legendary one patch. Gein's like, look at my hand. I have a hook hand. I literally can't do anything besides being a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> or what? A coat, coat rack. rack. Yep. <laughs> yep. I order a coat rack. This is where Gein has the absolutely baller ass baseline of wherever my sword can reach is my country. Yeah, yeah, that sounds. Yep. Yeah, the, the the plan doesn't work. Um, and all because through of this, of course, it freaking doesn't. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> all through this, Gein has been remembering how he got where he currently is because you know we know that he had been a hero in the war um but now he's this like poor forlorn person huge quotation marks around hero if you're gonna ask Gein about it too <laughs> like yeah that's he has that bit at the end of our reading like he's like i was not a hero <laughs> yeah i mean I, and like it's set up here it's very 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 strong survivor's guilt Shinpachi and Kagura have been kidnapped. He he might be about to lose more people he cares about. There are actually very few jokes. <laughs> like there's the there's the bit with the pirates, but it's 
basically uh it's cool action set pieces like yeah it's played straight like the occasional joke you'll get is Gein remarking about like the cool shonen action hero he's doing like he's just self-aware of what he's doing is really yeah but anyway he ends up killing evil space drug selling elf which um really surprised by the amount of murder in a shonen jump thing which i guess i shouldn't because death notes in shonen jump but like I don't know. I always just assume Shonen Jump means clean. Well, yeah, but I think that's I think that that's intentional. There is so much violence in Shonen Jump that gets sanitized for rating. Mm -hmm. And I think this is supposed to be a a parody of this that. is like, what would actually happen. It's similar. It's similar to the joke that um, Jojo's does very often where people get these completely horrific injuries that no one ever talks about or addresses ever again in the next chapter. Anyway, Gein saves the day as he is wont to do. And we cut to a Shinsengumi chapter, which is not bad. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, they protect a frog man. Yep. Basically get the rundown of who each of the named ones are, because mm -hmm. there there might be a couple who get names in passing. But like there's like there's like three of them that are particularly important. Mm -hmm. There's the captain, uh, the vice captain. And by the way, I don't remember their actual names, but because um, they're 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 usually collectively one character, the Shinsengumi. But the three who are the most distinct are the captain, the vice captain and the uh, very lazy wonder child uh, of the group. What? White-haired murder hobo? Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. the white-haired androgynous murder hobo. <laughs> They're protecting the guy who the previous chapter had been established was the one who was responsible for all the drugs flowing into the country, directly connected with the shogunate. Yeah, and the important thing to know is he is targeted by an anti-Amanto group that is separate from the terrorist group that long-haired guy is part of. There yeah. are multiple anti-Hamanto groups that consider themselves separate from each other. It does make sense and is, you know, pretty accurate to that. There, there are several degrees of extremism, I suppose. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And that's exactly what it is. This one has snipers. Yeah. The, the, the reason they're not working together is because they have uh, different methods and different lines they won't cross or will cross. The one that is like the most like clean and and least awful is already willing to bomb places. So the, the step up from that is, you know, pretty bad. Is we're willing to use guns, which I, I'm not sure I would argue is a step up, but sure. Uh. It's it, it's. It's the way that the manga frames it, which, again, I think is is intentional, that it's like that isn't really better. They're, they're all equally bad is what the manga tries to portray. But it's like in universe, it's played like there's a there's like a tier list of each mm -hmm. one gets progressively worse. But the but the message of the manga is, no, they're all equally bad because they're all killing people and mm -hmm. innocent people and even guilty people. But if you do it extra digitally, what's the point? Like, right. Speaking of which, a sniper takes a shot at the corrupt official and the captain. They have left out as bait. No, that happens afterward, because at this point, the captain is saying, we are trying to protect you and you are making our lives actively more dangerous. Please go back inside, at which point he takes a bullet for the guy. And, and the toad man says, no, I don't want to. I'm a toad. And of course, they do the the uh, extremely obvious thing of uh Oh, well, I guess the monkey can take a bullet. That's useful, I suppose. So um, basically how we get everyone's character is um, the um, vice captain and the white haired super kid uh, are both like um, captain says we do this job and we're here because of him. So we'll do this job. 
uh, we're going to do it our way, though, at which point they uh, they string the uh, the frog official up on, <laughs> on, a, on a cross. Uh, and, I thought uh, they put him in a pyre because they start putting firewood down his throat. Like they crucify him and put fire at his feet. It's the renegade, super young, uh, super talented, white haired kid who is doing this. And the vice captain walks out. Don't try to stop me. I'm doing the job, but I'm doing it my way. And he's like, stop you. I'm getting more firewood. <laughs> then there's a real cool fight scene where a bunch of assassins all come out to kill the official on display and they get fought and the Shinsengumi gets accolades for all the people they arrested and also it's revealed that that uh, official they were protecting was selling drugs so he also went to jail and everyone got pats on the back do Gein and co show up at that point Gein and co don't show up in this chapter at all it goes into the cool fight scene and then immediately cuts away to freelancer headquarters where Gein and company are reading this in the newspaper the next day Okay, they react to it then. Yes. So. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm thinking of something else because there, like, there, there are a couple of different cases where like a melee happens, and Gein and Co. happen to be walking by uh, because of protagonist timing and help the Shinsenguma. Yep. But not I thought this, this one. was one, but yeah, that's no, this, this is not. this is purely the Shinsenguma getting like like rep. Yeah. Is, is this, this builds them up for the next one where uh, Gein and Co. go to watch the Flower Festival together and they get a really cool spot. That isn't when they do more terrorism. That's later. You'd be, yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised with the amount of terrorism they accidentally do. But no, this Wait, is. Are this... we, we going to talk about uh, Hasegawa Sunglasses Man Taxi Service? Oh, There's you're not... right. I, I skipped over that one. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he gets a taxi. He gets a taxi job and then gets fired. Like, there are bits with him having a taxi. Uh, there are bits with he can't get hired because he refuses to not wear his sunglasses. And he basically has a whole bunch of bits where every main character sits in the back of his taxi cab and goes someplace. And tells him and tells him to go to a location that is usually metaphorical. Well, no, my favorite was uh, Tay, Shinpachi's big sister, gets in and says, take me to the red light district. And then the next panel, the stalker, take me to the red light district. <laughs> That's uh, actually a really good bit. <laughs> it's, it's really just jokes about running a taxi. <laughs> they run into the prince whose pet they killed earlier. Yeah, and he basically punches out the prince to help a human woman get to the hospital and then is fired for it. Because yep. she's in labor. Yep. Yeah. But then he gets fired for it because... He yeah. assaulted a customer, which fair. Yeah, and then he's fair. like, glasses don't care. Yep. <laughs> I get to wear sunglasses now, but yeah. And then they go to the, the, the then Gein Company goes to the Flower Festival where they. The the Cherry Blossom Festival, yeah. I think it's the Hanami. 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 Yep. But, yeah, so, so they get the Cherry of... Blossom viewing and uh, they get a prime location. Unfortunately, didn't you know this is the Shinsengumi spot that we always go to? I'm really just cool any place as long as we drink. And then the rest of the crew is also just like, yeah, really? We just don't want to start anything. We can just go drink on asphalt for all I care. We're, we're just here to get drunk. We're just here to get blasted. And then the captain's like, no, this is about honor and we're fighting you guys. And then they have a like a battle royale of party games. It's Yeah. Um, in the background, like everyone else is just like drinking. In the yeah. background. Well, the, the battle royale of rock, paper, scissors, hammer, helmet, which is actually a game. Yeah. Um, falls apart because 
It starts with it starts with Tay giving a massive concussion to Stalker. Yep, and then it the second round is Kagura and white-haired, super good at everything thing established that they have a huge rivalry and love fighting, and completely negate the rules of the game to just fight. And then it moves to Gein versus the main guy, who have both gotten super drunk before their turn and basically can't finish their turn because they're way out of it. At which point, everyone else is just drinking together. At which point, the vice captain and uh, Shinpachi go, man, having weird superiors is the worst, isn't it? Let's go get drunk and complain about it, which is the realest two panels in this whole manga. <laughs> like the, the Hanamai Festival is a really good chapter just because it's it sets up so much shonen nonsense to then go, this is stupid. Yeah, just give up on it. And I'm like, I, I appreciate the joke here. I really and like then, it. And then it ends with Shinpachi and Tay reflecting on how their father once said that the Hanami Festival is more fun with more people. Mm -hmm. And the freelancers and the Shinsengumi have a great time together, except for uh, <laughs> Gein and Main Guy, who are so drunk that they're in a gutter at the end. <laughs> they're not in a gutter. They're in a drink machine trying to get like something out of there, and they've passed out in... Well, one of them's in the gutter. Gein is in the trash can. <laughs> like, yes. Where am I? What happened? We drank too much. This is just the beginning of the night. Jeez. <laughs> Next lesson, uh, Gein and friends help a Kappa. That's basically the plot. <laughs> well, he's not a Kappa. He's a Amanato who is who looks like a Kappa. And also might be the origin for legends about the Kappa. Yeah. Yes. And he promised a young girl who was suffering from consumption that he would protect this lake so that when she eventually grew strong enough again, she would be able to swim in it. Except she had consumption, so she died. And then a rich industrialist tried to bulldoze the area and he said no. And turn it into a golf club. Yep. And then Gein Tamar were like, wait, are we in the plot of a 90s children's movie? And um, cool. They, we're gonna cool. We're gonna dress up like Kappa and assault some construction workers. And then that solved the problem. Cool. That was a good chapter. Uh, <laughs> one, one of the one of the running gags in that chapter is the bulldozer operators screaming in terror as the as the freelancer crew attack them. Their associates, not seeing the attack, just hearing the screams of pain and terror, go, "What? Did you get your balls caught in the caterpillar tread?" They tell that joke three times. It's such a good. Yeah. It's a pretty good joke. Horrifying oh. image. Pretty good joke. Uh, anyway, uh, next chapter is also a bit of a non sequitur. Uh, Otsu comes back as an idol and the news comes out that she has a boyfriend. A boyfriend. That's a huge yeah. no, no. Oh, my gosh. Uh, death threats from her fans, which is normal. If you're an idol in Japan and even South Korea, that's a huge no, no. Like you are not how poorly worded death threats. I will kill you very good. Yeah, and like it's, kill you very good, baby. It's a pretty standard plot line, but my favorite joke in here is um, Gein saying, man, all this idle stuff is stupid. You should have known she was unobtainable. Meanwhile, you, the weather, weather girl will never oh, disobey me. And then the news comes on. Uh, he's like, man, all this obsessing over the uh, the idols is stupid. If if the weather girl got married, you wouldn't see me acting so pathetically. <laughs> Meanwhile, news broadcast comes in. New weather girl has announced an engagement to another person. He's like, I wish I was dead. <laughs> and then Gein yeah. joins. Uh, Shinpachi, Shinpachi being upset that his idol is. Yeah. The the culmination of this is basically her uh, new boyfriend is just using the uh, relationship for publicity and is kind of upset that he, 
she hasn't broke up with him yet, despite all the death threats he keeps sending her, because the longer he's in this relationship, the more he loses his female fans. So it's like, yeah, his plan was have the relationship come out for publicity, have her break up with him because he's sending the death threats and then reap the benefits, Uh, get placed on a this is a very Japanese specific joke. Like there's a yearly NHK drama that's made with popular actors and singers or whatever. And he wanted to be cast in that. Mm. So that's why he was doing a publicity stunt right before casting of it. There is a news broadcast that they're having a competition for weird pets. Yep. yep. So uh, naturally we have to enter Sadaharu, who's just a, a big violent dog. <laughs> but unfortunately, a terrorist guy has found a new pet, which is very clearly someone in a duck mascot costume. <laughs> Hey, hey, it's an alien. I'm just watching it for a friend. That's Elizabeth. Come on, don't be rude. You're super rude. Don't say things like old man's like again. <laughs> it's a great thing because uh, Gein says, I thought you hated all aliens. He's just like, I only hate aliens that can think. Look at Elizabeth. Do you think she's got a thought in there? Uh, and then it's, it's just a really fun, uh, like, pet competition between two things that are very clearly not pets. Like... Yeah, and, and it turns into Gein chokeholding Elizabeth, so Zaru uh, chokeholds Gein, and then Sadaharu bites on Zara's head. <laughs> Which point, the person inside the Elizabeth costume goes, I quit, and then gets out, and then everyone's like, oh. <laughs> As the choking is happening, the, the host of the show is like, guys, can you please stop? Like, how are we going to air this? Um, at Screw which, your like, broadcast. We need to settle this. I almost think it's like the guy in the Elizabeth costume is trying to reach out of the costume to grab the stick, which is the mm-hmm. the prize for winning, at which point the broadcast cuts and the chapter ends. Mm-hmm. Yep. We never so, see who was in the Elizabeth outfit. It turns into that meme of the people in the church pews pointing guns at each other's heads. And I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> It's it's a very fun, just like purely comedy bit compared to the firefighter one we get next. It was confusing and it later became heartwarming and then confusing again. Gein is getting yelled at because he has a bunch of uh, old jump magazines. And he can't recycle efficiently. He just wants to constantly burn everything and that. You can burn paper. Why can't I put this out with the burnables? Because a good like Japanese recycling joke is always like really wide audience that can hit. But like, yeah, Gene's like this whole this whole recycling thing is too complicated. I don't care. I'm just going to burn everything. And then while he's out there, everything spontaneously combusts. He tries to pee out the fire. Uh, at which yep. point a female firefighter comes up to him, goes, what are you doing indecently exposing yourself after committing arson? And he's like, that's not what this is at all. That's literally not what's happening. <laughs> and then she citizens arrests him, to which he keeps apologizing that she's seen his penis. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing that up? Like he keeps doing it in different ways, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I was just trying to use my holy water to put out the fire. She then gives her backstory. Which is her parents died in a fire. Yep. Very sad. And she yes. was a fire. She was adopted by a firefighter. Or she was adopted by a squad of firefighters. Yeah. So she has her own protag story. Yeah. The, the head firefighter in particular said, you live with us now. And all the other fire, fire, firefighters just kind of accepted that because mm-hmm. he was well, the boss. Later on, they 
it's revealed they did kind of protest. It's like, you just can't take in every orphan that we come across. Why are you taking this one in? I don't think we ever get an answer to that. We do get an answer to that, actually. He says that uh, a firefighter bears the guilt of everyone and everything that they've that he's ever failed to save. And Mm -hmm. so uh, taking you in was my form of atonement. And that's why I say that you can't be a firefighter. I'm pretending to be sexist. I'm really just trying to protect you from the incredible weight of guilt and karma that comes with being a firefighter. Because this Mm -hmm. uh, this chapter is cut into two pieces and the first uh chapter ends with women can't be firefighters and she's like but i'm i'm clearly still acting as a firefighter where is this coming from yep uh and then it cuts to the next chapter where an arsonist is burning things because it turns out it is just an average guy who also thinks recycling is dumb and all trash is technically burnable if you try hard enough (laughs) direct quote from both Gein and the arsonist. It's fun yep. that Gein has the exact same motivation as the arsonist. Again, because Gein might be our protagonist, but he is not our hero. Yep. But uh, essentially what we get through a bunch of flashbacks is that uh, her firefighter dad is actually an adoptive father to her. He just is emotionally distancing her from her because he doesn't want her going into a dangerous life because he's worried about her because he considers her his daughter. And she's like, oh. I also consider you my adoptive dad. And they have a nice heartwarming scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, th- and then Gein uses his protag powers to save firefighter dad from a fire. And, and they have a heart to heart of being being both washed up heroes. They cut around it, but it's pretty clear what ended up happening is there was a point where the firefighter chief uh, got pinned under uh, some of the collapsing building. And this is when they have that heart to heart where... Um, you know, he makes it clear he wants to protect both her conscience from the guilt of all the people she wouldn't be able to save because you can't save everyone. And also the potential of her dying and, you know, giving her life in a fire, you know, to get a fire under control. Meanwhile, what Gina's is doing is he's off catching the arsonist. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cases where it's like you have moral message beat punchline. But there are a couple of cases where they just have a really good scene and they make the they make the smart decision to not sour it with a joke. She saved the the old man that she went in to save and then alerted the rest of the team to save uh, the captain. And she's actually responsible for getting him out of the fire. That wasn't Gein using protag powers. That was entirely her being a part of the team. I also yep. forgot my my favorite bit in this is the old man they're rescuing from the burning building is is senile and deaf and can only he is deaf, but selectively hears when he is insulted. You, yep. you old man, the bur- building's on fire. Get out. What? You stupid old man. The building's on fire. Get out. Who's stupid? I'll kill you. <laughs> Who is that stupid old man? Screw you, you whippersnapper. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's a good great. bit, but uh, OK, so next two chapters. Pretty self-contained. One of them yeah. is a Prince in the Popper story where uh, Kagura finds Princess Soyo, who I believe is the Shogun's daughter? Yes. yes. Okay. And they have a, this is what poor people can enjoy. And Yeah, they have poor people fun. They have poor people fun, and then she goes back to her rich life understanding poor people fun. The next one is Catherine, who... We didn't mention at this point, but uh, when we go back to um, the snack shop, she is still working there, which is weird because she appears before we get the explanation in this chapter that Otose hired her back because she believes in forgiving people. Before, it was just 
did, did they just hire her back again after she stole everything? <laughs> and but, as it turns out, the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tose goes, yeah, no, I mean, hey, people need second chances. And also, you know how hard it is to find a worker? <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard it is good f- to find good help these days, which hits different in 2021. <laughs> 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 but um, essentially, she gets called back to her old life by a group of cat bandits known as the Cats Punch Gang. They're, they're just a bunch of cat boys and cat girls who are cat burglars. Like, it, it's a fun vignette, but yep. that's that's yeah. basically as much as the joke is. Yeah, like, and, and it's Catherine going, but I don't want to be a thief. I awaken to justice. And they're being like, you're always a thief. And then Gein's showing up and being like, screw yeah. you. Leave the girl alone. Reading it's a lot more fun than talking about it. In all yeah. honesty. Uh, Tom, <laughs> the next one is the follow up to uh, Harusame arc with um, uh, Kimiko. Uh, now that she has given up drugs, hires the freelancers to find her boyfriend who used to sell drugs. But he's gone from that life now. Yeah, they're going to live. They're going to live respectable lives together. She actually got introduced to uh, the drugs through him. But after she almost dies, she says, we both decided um, that we're going to leave this life. We're going straight, doll. We're going to live properly within the law. I'll never I'll never touch that life again. Seeds to do nothing but touch that life again. (laughs) So there's a lot of. Uh, more really mean spirited and unfunny fat jokes. So uh, the boyfriend is getting chased by some Amato, the most alien and monstrous Amato that we've seen in a while. Yeah, they're full on like bug people. Like it's they, they look like stuff out of horror. Yeah, the main one is a zombie cyborg thing with a scythe. The freelancer crew goes to do their heroic rescue, which is Gein leaps into action with a rope tied around him. Uh, and then friggin uh, Kimiko drops on his head and for some reason and he's like, man, we didn't agree to do this with you coming along. I'm leaving. Guys, pull me out of here. And so the joke with Gein, he's got two people dangling off him and the rope is tied around his stomach. So it's squeezing all his guts out is like what the actual joke is there. Like, yeah, but the reason that he is leaving and they're dangling from his legs is because Kimiko landed on his head and he's like, man, screw you for that. Kimiko shouldn't be there, in all fairness, but like it's contrived for a joke. What isn't in this comedy gag manga? Essentially, what happens is uh, her boyfriend is talking to the gang of people trying to kill him because he's got this cool afro on. So like, no, I gave up that drug life. I'm not going to do anything ever again. I don't have any drugs. And then his uh, wig gets blown off. And no, he takes the wig off. He actively chooses to take the wig off because someone mentions there, like there's a running gag about how people with perms are untrustworthy or something. Mm-hmm. So he takes off and f- this is and a wig revealing the drugs taped. He, yeah, he had taped the drugs to his bald head. Uh, yeah, which is a funny gag. It is a pretty funny gag. Kimiko's like, dude, what the hell? I thought you said you were giving up the drugs. I feel that- so bad for her because yeah, <laughs> she was actually turning her life around and she trusted this guy. Yeah, and he's like, man, screw you, lady. I was dating you for the money. And then he gets knocked out by Gein because Gein has to do at least one heroic thing per chapter. The fun bit is she gets held hostage and she goes, no, just leave without me. And you flip the page and he is running away and goes, "Okay." (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really funny because I thought that was just going to be like the full bit was like they were a couple and she gave him the permission to run away. So he did it. But then he's also an asshole. So it's kind of funny because his reason for thinking is like, you think I would ever date an ugly chick like you if it wasn't for the money when the joke being they look identical. 
Like his standards are nowhere. I mean, that's a joke, but it's also a reflection of reality a lot of the times. Well, yeah, he he has standards beyond him is the joke. Like he thinks he's better than he is like. But anyway, Kimiko's like, well, I can't leave him to die. So I guess I'll haul him out of this uh, drug den situation. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. The end of the chapter is I'm going to continue being his girlfriend. Which I was kind of bummed, to be honest. Like I didn't that made me like sad. Yeah, she deserves better. Well, she does. What what her line is is he can't do better than me. So it's it's like a level of pity from her. So don't lower yourself for him. He already told you that despite the fact that he said, okay, I wouldn't have been with you if it wasn't for the money. You obviously spent time together. So even if he felt that way initially, he would have gotten to know you. He would have gotten to know your personality, any of that. He says, despite that history that you have, still doesn't want to be with you. It's like, Queen, the point isn't that he can't do better than you. The point is that you can do better than him. And you deserve better than him. He literally does not want you. Hey, look, let's just give... Kimiko, the benefit of the doubt that she knows what she's talking about. He was high on drugs and he needs to get clean before he can make life decisions. We don't know that he's high on drugs. We can assume. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) He had them taped to the bald spot on his head. Maybe they leaked through the bag and then through his bald spot. Anyway, let's go to space. Kang wins a trip to space. (laughs) Kagura walks in saying, hey, I won some tickets to space. It really does feel like an always sunny title card. At this point, I wouldn't blame you, dear audience, if you'd forgot that Kagura was an alien whose main goal was to earn up enough money to go back to space so she could go home. Yep. That doesn't get brought up at all in this chapter. Nope. The main thing that gets brought up is that uh, Gein keeps setting off the metal detector, even though he has no metal on him. Maybe it's the sword that lives in his soul. And then he makes a joke. I do have two metal balls between my legs. <laughs> and then the next joke is you can't bring pets on board. This isn't a pet <laughs> pointing at Sadaharu. This is a humidifier. She tries plushy first. I can hear it growling. It's not a plushie. It's a humidifier. Humidifier killed me. <laughs> <laughs> then why does it smell like blood? Your humidifiers don't smell like blood. What? I, I- I, I do appreciate that the chapter about going to space is mostly about getting stuck in uh, TSA. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, and essentially, uh, Sadaharu um, latches on to the most optimistic man in the world. <laughs> One Sakamoto Tatsuma. Ignorance is bliss. He has no idea where he is. Everything the giant dog on top of him biting his skull is just like, man, I'm really hung over. You're losing a lot of blood. That must be why my head hurts so bad. I'm really hung over. No, it's because a giant dog is biting into your head. You're bleeding really heavily. No, my sweat is red and sticky. Must be all that tomato juice I drank. Anyway, they get up into space where more terrorism happens. <laughs> uh, some hijackers take over the uh, tourist ship in space. Uh, with plans on crashing it into, uh, I think, the Shogun's palace. They say the spire, which is... All right, the terminal. Er, I thought they said the spire. No, it is a spire. It's the building that all Amanto, like, the the main hub of them is. It's the main um, Earth-to-space, space-to-Earth hub. 
which in all fairness is the terminal they came in. That's just a small part of the building, though. So basically they're they're going to crash the the ship into um, the spaceport. And they, they managed to make their way. They capture the pilot because they didn't have any way of locking the door to the pilot of the shuttle. The freelancer crew easily takes out the uh, terrorists because, of course, they do. Uh, the ones in the cabin, at the least. The ones in the cabin. The ones in the cockpit set off bombs. But luckily, the guy with the perm, New Gin, and he is the best sailor he knows. The, the guy's like, hey, wait a minute, I know you. You're Kintama, aren't you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not my name. Shonen Jump would have my head if that was my name. Because that means testicles. And Keen means gold, while Gin is silver, and that's, that's, that's the pun on his name. Because golden balls is... A euphemism for testicles. Yeah, and yeah, we've we've really drawn this to a to a halt to talk about this. Clap, really clap, have. clap. <laughs> yeah. I was entertained. Moving on. That's good. That's good. Anyway, Sakamoto doesn't know how to fly a spaceship. He knows how to sail a ship. Yes, and that was so painful. I'm like, sailing is not the same as spaceship. Don't do that. Just because Gein is referring to him like, ah, yes, back in our samurai days, he knew how to pilot any ship and i'm like did i misunderstand the level of technology the freedom fighters had see this is why i feel like this is like a willful misunderstanding it was but it was cut it was so forced though i i 100 believe Gein thinking someone who can pilot a boat can pilot a spaceship i have no reason <laughs> to disbelieve that line of logic the thing is, Perm Guy has his own ship that he does pilot. He is an expert he pilot. He just, he just asks where the rudder is. And and like he stumbles into the rudder and breaks it and they crash on a desert planet. In, in all fairness, they were crashing before that. Yeah, yeah. He can't stop them from crashing because the wheel gets broken. They don't crash onto a desert planet. They crash onto Tatooine. Otherwise known as a desert planet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does have two suns and a giant monster in the sand. Which, man, their uh, day trip into space really went off course, didn't it? <laughs> it was literally supposed to be just into orbit and back. So I don't know quite how they got to another planet, but uh, not only another planet, another solar system for it to have two suns. It's another solar system. The way that it's shown is the the one chapter, the wheel gets broken and the chapter ends with the ship crashing toward the moon. And I'm like, are they going to have are they going to have wacky moon adventures? And then the next chapter opens on a desert planet with a binary star for space. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's space space anyway they get saved by uh sakamoto's uh trade group <laughs> trade fleet definitely not more pirates yep and they that, that acts of a really cool flashback too it's uh revealed that uh Gein had the option of going with them because they basically decided after they stopped being warriors they're like well you know we can just go out into space we're not stuck on earth anymore and uh, we, ha we have the freedom to go where we please. And uh, this is the scene where the the very heavy implications are outright stated that uh, uh, severe survivor's guilt is uh, the reason Gein is the way he is. Oh, yeah. The most survivor's guilt. Just all of it at the same time. Uh, poor, poor man. Is this when he has the nightmare? There is a nightmare that all but says outright that he has survivor's guilt. Yeah, the, the, the nightmare was during the drug trip when he got was during out. the drug trip. Yeah. Right. That, that was that was when he picked up his friend's skull that screamed at him. You let me die, which is um, basically he has survivor's guilt without saying survivor's guilt. At this point, 
he explicitly states to his friend, his answer to that question is, functionally, I can't leave all the people I let die behind me. So mm -hmm. I'm going to stay here. And it's the whole reason why he acts the way that he does. So they have a cool fight against a giant space sand monster. It's it's also kind of fun because we get this flashback that's fairly sobering. And then the way that Gein actually, uh, you know, fills his heroism quota for the chapter is actually, funnily enough, not by committing violence, but by uh, silencing the gun they were using to attack the creature because Gein actually is um, knowledgeable enough about the thing to explain. We invaded its home and it's defending itself. If you keep shooting at it, it will just keep attacking us. Everybody calm down. They're not shark infested waters. That's where they live. We'll cut the one tentacle that is holding uh, the perm guy and then we'll just leave at which they at which point they do that. And thusly ends the adventure in space. Yeah, they they go back to Earth and Kagura doesn't go home for some reason. It's Look, fine. At this point, I think they've forgotten she's an alien. <laughs> I think she has forgotten she's an alien and wants to go home. That seems like something she'd do. Yeah, you're, that's not off character. You're right. Kagura is extremely airheaded, more so even than Gein. Anyway, every time we have a serious flashback, we then have to have a purely comedy chapter. Uh, so, the next, Panty Thief! The next one, there is a professional panty thief. Fundoshi Mask. Yeah, who specifically is not even like a panty thief for like personal gain. He is a panty Robin Hood. Yes. <laughs> steals women's underwear and throws them out to desperate men. Specifically which, the most attractive women's underwear. Yep. It's almost a point of flattery to have your underwear stolen. Yep. Unless you're like an underwear protectionist. Mm -hmm. And it is given to the most desperate of men, uh, at which point <laughs> uh, the joke is obviously that both Gein and um Gein, I didn't know you were desperate. Have, <laughs> Gein's just like, I thought this was a gift from Santa. Oh, no. <laughs> He's very insulted. You're calling me a desperate man? <laughs> yeah, because Gein was not really on board with helping Tay uh, find the underwear band. Because wasn't he like, quote unquote, engaged? <laughs> no, that was always fake. Um, but it's like a joke, but OK. Yeah. Yes, it's all jokes. It's comedy manga. Yep. <laughs> now everybody is very much down for catching Fundoshi Mask, including the stalker. He's here for reasons. You mean someone was stealing Taysan's underwear? <laughs> He's incredibly jealous. I don't. No one's allowed to touch Taysan's panties before me. So they use Tay's panties as bait in the backyard of the dojo. And they set it up with traps. And by traps, I mean they bury landmines all over the backyard. And then they forget where the landmines are. And the joke is that literally everybody, including Fundoshi Mask, gets blown up by the landmines. And the day is saved. It's such, I, it's such a dumb joke, but I love it so much. Because it's always character runs off because they all forgot where the landmines were buried. Well, no, the only one who doesn't get blown up is Tay, and she catches her panties from the explosion. And, <laughs> and she jumps on Gein, who ran into a landmine. Yeah. She's like, I know there's not one there. Yep. I forget exactly what she says, but it's essentially uh, work on yourself. It's something along the lines of I will give my panties to someone who is worthy, not some creep who steals them. Yep. Like <laughs> the, the Fundoshi mask does have a uh, a great line of uh, tonight. I shall run led only by the rubber of panties, the road of a romantic man. <laughs> I do this not for 
the sake of one pervert, but for all the perverts. Again, Ed. Just a just a fun comedy chapter. Um, yep. Now it's time to assassinate the Shogun. Yeah. Now we now we get the um, arguably the only actual plot arc of <laughs> all we read, but fair. Um, essentially, uh, Ito's greatest inventor, uh, Hiraga Gengai, um, is super good at building robots because apparently before the Amato came, he was really good at making toys and those skills translated naturally to making robots. Yes. One of the one of the things that I think is important to understand, and this is, again, the case where it's like it's not a direct one to one allegory of Japan, like losing its isolationism. There's you know, there's more subtle layers of how Japan's culture changed over that time period is really the is really the hit you in the face with the brick metaphor. Because one of the things that is mentioned in passing a few times, it's never focused on, but this is this is directly mentioned in passing a few times. The um, Anamato is what they're called. Probably. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> the aliens, the aliens um, had been coming to Earth for a long time. Um, they were starting to trickle in slowly over time and tensions kept rising and rising. The people of Edo kept uh because you know this is a this is a very Japanese comic it basically pretends that Japan is the only place that exists on earth which also benefits the metaphor so it also does confirm I think that Edo is the place the Amato interact with earth from so yeah essentially Japan is the center of earth it is, it is at the centerpiece of this and basically what had been happening is that the aliens had been coming down and interacting with Earth and usually being, you know, basically evicted, you know, verbally and, and heedly, but um, without violence. But they kept coming and coming and coming until it basically became an invasion. So the uh, daimyo sent uh, the samurai to violently expel them, which resulted in a war They that the samurai just couldn't win. And the uh, shogun saw the writing on the walls and basically wrote a peace treaty with uh, the aliens so that they could, you know, come and go as they please, have economic control. And thus we get the situation we're in. And the big thing for like, you know, people being able to fly spaceships, the inventor having uh, robotics expertise before the aliens had truly set in as part of that world is there was a slow seep in of the outside culture that stealthily changed Japan from within that made it more and more inevitable that the flood of uh, foreign influence would ultimately radically and rapidly change Japan. Yep. And that's how we get that's how we get a guy who was a roboticist in the um, uh, Sengoku Jidai period. And his son went off to war and died and he's real salty about it. So he's going to have his robots kill the Shogun. Yeah, it's it's not 100 percent obvious that he's super salty about it because they, they spend like a full chapter just interacting with him as if he's gotten used to it. There's just like an air of like resentment there. It's very yep. clear he's very sad and he's very much in pain, but he's not really angry because he's had to live with this reality for so long. He can't drum up the energy to be angry anymore. Yeah. And like there's a real fun subplot where Kagura gets married to one of his robots and that just happens in the background and I love it. Uh, 
married is an extension. She becomes in a relationship with them. Uh, she says she is married to the robot. Nobody else agrees to this or acknowledges it. Especially the robot. Especially, especially the, the robot, robot. At which point, at which point, uh, Kagura's uh, response to this is fine. Domestic violence. She shouts domestic violence as if it's a wrestling move. <laughs> She's throwing the robot. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. As are most things Kagura does. It's funny because it's a robot is is really the extent of that joke. Like, yep. So meanwhile, as all this is happening, uh, our terrorist friend is approached by a, another unfriendly terrorist. Who I would say an even more unfriendly terrorist, because this is now the third terrorist group we've been introduced to the worst of all. Yes, this is this is. This is tier three. This is not joke terrorist. This is villain terrorist. And in all honesty, this this guy is kind of the first full on like capital V villain of the mm -hmm. series that has he, shown up. Yeah. He shows up and he says, hey, hey, fellow terrorist, aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you want to go ape? At which point Zura goes, what makes you think I ever was going nice? And that should tell you exactly how much of a avengers level threat this guy is yeah this guy this guy just wants to cause pain takasugi um like i think the quote from him is essentially something along the lines of i don't want the world back the way it was i want the world they created to be reduced to ash mm -hmm. he constantly refers to himself as having a beast inside that he needs to feed mm -hmm. i'll keep going until the beast stops growling so anyway this guy walks around like dressed like a monk being creepy uh, as it becomes more and more obvious that uh, the inventor um, probably doesn't want just happy dancing robots at the festival. Everyone very quickly comes to that re revelation, but then, like, they all kind of stop short of actually confronting him on it. They yep. all just have suspicions. It's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's not fine. Well, and I mean, like, that's sort of the thing, because he basically outright says that I am in great pain I am extremely sad, but I just don't have the energy to be angry anymore. And that's kind of why nobody really acts on it. Mm -hmm. It's honestly kind of natural because they want to think better of the guy that he wouldn't do that. But yep. uh, the only one who like really hampers in on what he's saying is Gein. Gein is hearing everything he's saying, and he's always got the look of like, that's not... That's a bad sign because Gein understands that pain. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that's exactly the place that Gein has been since since basically the midpoint of the war where the samurai started pretty badly losing. I mean, in all fairness, I think Gein's past that point now. I think Gein came to terms with things is really his whole journey. Gein's uh, mindset is. He doesn't want to fail in protecting what he loves again. He has accepted that he failed in the past. The point is that he cannot fail again. And we, we get a lot of that with Gein in this chapter. Um, but essentially what comes down to the Shogun is being at this festival and the man decides uh, I am going to have my robots kill the Shogun because he surrendered our country to the aliens and is not forcing them out. If he dies, he can be replaced with someone who will do something. This is where the key difference between Gein and the rest of the former samurai comes into the clearest view. Gein will absolutely resort to violence to protect what he loves, but 
he has moved past the pain of what he lost, and so he does not seek revenge. Everyone else is consumed by revenge, and uh, extra violent man uh, thinks that Gein's passivity is weakness, and so he tries to hold Gein at sword point, at which point Gein grabs the blade of his sword, says, you underestimated me, and that was a fucking mistake, and then kicks the guy's ass. Well, as, as like the exact words he's like is um the man is talking about that. He's going on his monologue about the beast. He's like, I still you like laid down and became passive. My beast. Yeah, my beast still growls to which Gin grabs the blade by his hand. It's like it's not hard to feed a beast because mm-hmm. he's like, cool. If I wanted to be angry and vengeful. Like these past 20 years, you know how easy that would be? You haven't done the easy thing. You haven't done the hard thing. You've done the easiest thing in the world. I've moved past this. I have accepted that things are beyond my control and the world has changed beyond me. And then uh, Gein is a badass with a sword. Like. <laughs> and, and then he talks down. Uh, he talks down grandpa. He yep. talks down gang guy. No one wants this is the thing he shouts. Not your son, not you, not anyone else. No one wants what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's really kind of brilliant about the way this entire scene is framed is the way Gengai's robot attack works is he starts with one of his robots firing a smoke grenade that is theoretically meant to keep anyone like any guards in the crowd from interfering. But Gein points out the instant you did that, the Shogun left. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing isn't going to do anything at all. Basically, Gengai's trying to suicide by cop, and Gein doesn't talk him down from going through with attacking the Shogun. He convinces him that it's still worth living a long life, even after all the things that you've lost. Yeah, yep. like, that's that's a really good scene with him, because, like, the old man is, like, after... Uh, that's also the really powerful thing where one of the robots, uh, for some reason, says the last message his son ever said to him. Well, no, it's uh, it's the robot that um, he had been working on when his son left. Gengai had ordered that robot to fire on Gein, who was standing in the way, and the robot lowered its arm cannon and let Gein defeat it. Mm hmm. And it had up to that point only said my pleasure because it was programmed to say that. But after getting damaged, it plays back the recording of the last thing that um, the son had said, the which, la- was, which was essentially, Dad, I don't want you building robots that kill people. You look so gloomy doing it. It's nearly the last thing uh, his son said, because that's the last thing he says before um, going off to war and dying. Yeah, where he realizes they can't come to terms and angrily storms away. But it's it's what his son wanted him to remember him by. But yep. the, the real impactful thing of the scene is the old man is just like beaten down and he's just like, I have lived for revenge for so long. What am I supposed to do with my life? And Gein's just like, what's you, you don't have to live for something. What's wrong with just, you know, living a long life? Like, yep. just enjoy the time you have left. You don't get to do that if you're dead. And uh, that is where we end our reading on a surprisingly somber note for this comedy gag manga. Favorite character, everybody. Um, God, uh, I. We didn't talk about him a lot, but I kind of like Shimpachi. <laughs> I'm surprised, but OK. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like, like, don't get me wrong. I love Gein. Gein is great. Something about Shinpachi as the straight man in this buck wild universe. And even then, he's not really the straight man. <laughs> he's just the most normal one. And that's a low bar. Is <laughs> incredibly funny to me. So if I had to say someone besides Gein, it would be Shinpachi. But Gein is, you know, obviously incredibly fun. How about you, Matt? What do you think? Um, you know, Gein is the obvious answer. Like, he's really good. He gets the most character development. I guess I'm going to have to pick, like, a favorite, though. Like, I, I'm i going to be honest. The Stalker is really funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, his reactions are great. Him playing off Gein is always great because there's always, like, him being just so sad and pathetic. And Gein's joke is never, what a worthless person you are. It's, haha, you're not, you're slightly worse than I am. And I think that's really funny. Like, because that's not what you expect from a shonen protagonist, but that's what you get with Gein. Um, (laughs) You, dude, you're even worse than me. You really suck. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, Stalker and Gein are my favorites. How about you, uh, Jacob? The for me, Gein again is definitely an obvious number one because he is he's a fairly cliched character in the way that he has depth but he's very well executed which is kind of surprising for how irreverent the series is and the way that it actually like treats its characters they will just play Gein straight it results in some really memorable and powerful scenes so once again Gein is definitely my number one but um honestly otose is a close second for character who just gets real scenes and she's just so interesting because of it like the like how how like heartwarming the um uh old dying playboy story was like there were jokes in that chapter but the story itself, there wasn't really a punchline. It was just a really charming, heartwarming story about alleviating uh, regret, someone's regrets at the end of his life, which, you know, I thought was really well done. Gein might be a common refrain, but uh, I really like uh, Otose because I feel that she also has a surprising amount of character depth for the kind of uh, series that this is. You know what? I agree. Uh, Jay, favorite character? Uh, it's a tie between Kagura and Gein. Kagura is a lot of fun just from the the chaos aspect. <laughs> yes, I love mass chaos. I, I really like Kagura because she breaks form in a lot of ways. Like in your typical gag manga, you'd expect the girl to be the straight man. Like you mm-hmm. get in a lot of other things like um, Bulma in Dragon Ball is the straight man to Goku's aunt. Like, that's just what you would expect. But no, she is wackier than Gein in a lot of cases, and I really appreciate that. Well, she she is an alien. Yeah. Yes. Gein does not pay attention, and that's why he says non sequiturs and does dumb things. Kagura is very airheaded. (laughs) Yeah, Tay is more the one that fills that role of, like, the intelligent, you know, young woman character in in this world of madness, but uh, she's not a main character, really. So she's not around nearly as much. She's working her hostess job. She can't hang out with the unemployed losers. <laughs> <laughs> so we have talked an awful lot about how cool of a character Gein is. Do we want to 
Let, let's talk a bit more about our shockingly tragic comedy uh, protagonist. Yeah, like, Gein gets some, like, really somber speeches that, like, we really didn't have a lot of time to, like, focus on. Because when they happen, they're in the middle of a bunch of jokes. But, like... Yeah. His, his whole story is he originally fought the um, Amato when they invaded. He was in charge of a group of samurai, which... When Gein looks back, I think we said earlier, he had to have been like 16 at most, to which Gein himself says, I was a snot-nosed brat back then. Yep. Like, he thinks he was dumb and full of piss and vinegar. Like, realized they were so ridiculously outmatched. Most of his friends died. He could not protect them. It was clear he was not saving the world. He was not saving Japan. So he kept bringing the circle of things he could actually do smaller and smaller to, I will protect the things I can do with my own hands. And outside of that, I, I'm i going to live a peaceful life. Because yeah. in a lot of cases, killing someone doesn't really make the situation better. Becoming a very, a very uh, peaceful character just because of how harshly he's beaten down by his backstory. Every other character has some measure of ambition to them. Gein has no ambition. He just wants to protect the things that are within his reach to protect and then live to tomorrow. While it seems to be very wise and like born of like samurai wisdom and his experiences in battle in his time of war, it's pretty like tragically sad because it's born of just all of the pain and loss he's suffered. And that actually highlights something that I think is really important because Gein is definitely in a better place than a lot of the other samurai, but I don't think he is over it either. The point of argument there is when his friends get drugged and taken away from him, he is completely off kilter until a friend of him, a friend of his comes up to him, smacks him in the head and says, we got to go do the thing or else it'll be bad. He He's still not OK. He's still in a bad place. He's not over it. He's ignoring how he feels. And he's certainly better off than the people who are flailing and screaming and trying to violently fight off the um, changing era because Gein recognizes the era's already changed. Mm -hmm. And I have to accept that. And you have to accept that. Nothing you do is going to turn back the hands of time. But but then what? And that's, I think, the place where Gein as a character isn't quite fully matured yet. That's where his growth needs to come from. Because, again, Gein's acceptance is not born of wisdom. It's born of defeat. There's an argument to make. There's a lot of wisdom to be gained in defeat, though. Like... Like Gein is wise about a lot of things. Like, oh yeah, and and again, he is very, he's very much further along than a lot of the other samurai. He he is in a relatively healthy place compared to a lot of the other samurai. Like, the problems he has are like post-traumatic stress. He doesn't have like any self-deprecating behaviors that are hurting him. He has moved on to healthy dealing hmm. with his trauma. Yeah. He's doing it in little steps and it's probably holding him back from like greater ambition. But like there's also a case to be made is greater ambition a necessary part of human existence like. And um, and I think a good way of putting it that synthesizes all of these points is 
he's in a very fragile place. I think that, I think that's what I was trying to get at. Thank you, Jacob. He is he is so much better than the people who are violently lashing out, not in anything in particular, but in the changing times. And he perhaps doesn't need a grand ambition, but I don't I honestly don't think Yin is happy. Like, you know, he he rightly assesses that time is moving forward. That era is gone and can never come back. But the question of, okay, what then is what Gein is working at answering. And again, that's, you know, where he needs to grow from there. I think there is a level of contentment that Gein has. I think he is happy with his life. It's just when things interrupt that. Like, I don't think he's secretly depressed all the time. I, I think he has moved past that, at least. He has found happiness after mm-hmm. trauma. Like, I, I don't think to say that he's hiding that and, like, the facade he's putting on is, like, fake. I think there's actual happiness he's found in a simple life. Because we get that flashback with um, when he's invited to go up into space. He does say he's kind of staying back because he feels guilty, but there's also a bit like, I don't know, maybe I just want to fish. Like, that mm. sounds fun. Like, he... He doesn't want big things anymore because the last big thing he tried to go for got all of his friends killed. But like, that's not the same thing as I'm never going to do anything. It's maybe I just try smaller things that are more attainable. And and again, I'm not I'm not strictly speaking disagreeing with that. But the point is, the the big issue is he in his complacency and where he was almost lost because like. The thing is, we see him when he's with Shinpachi. And I think before that point, he was just coasting through life with no meaning. Now that he has these quirky people in his life, I think he's in a better place. But like if he were to lose that, that would like, you know, he, he's in a He's in a better place, but it's fragile. And we we also know he's been he's been living with Atose, though. Like we we also know like that bit of his backstory was he got taken in by her. So he he's lived with her and is like, hey, yeah, I'll help this woman out because like the very least you can assume from that is he was still going around helping people out. Like he finds small joy in helping small problems. He fixes the things that are within his power. What we're getting at is there's a shocking amount of pathos to Gein. No, Gein is so incredibly deep that I did not expect from anything I'd heard about Gintama. Like, Same, honestly. But uh, we could fill an entire other episode of this podcast discussing that. So uh, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> At this point, I guess this is the point where I have to just outright state something that probably should be obvious by now. I'm obviously in the minority here, but I really didn't like Gintama. I did not find it funny. You also find Dragon Ball funny, so that's a very yeah. different humor style. It, yeah, it's a very different humor style. And like there is a level of subjectivity to it. Um, and I will say this. There are a lot of places where Gintama got me to laugh. The thing that got me to laugh was um, when they did character based humor. I do not think that Gintama is a good parody. Like, I did not find any of the fourth wall jokes particularly funny. There was one joke that I want to highlight that it frustrated me and it is an encapsulation of where I'm coming from when I say I I didn't enjoy the humor. In 
the third chapter, there's the bit where Kagura and um, Shinpachi get st- they were they were hiding from the villains of that chapter in a in a uh, trash can, and they end up getting stuck in the trash can, and the villains catch up with them. Now they're, they they try to get out of the trash can and realize they're stuck when they hear the whistle for the train about to leave blowing, and the um, and then at that point the villains show up. And the villain has this whole hammy shonen villain speech about um, why he wants to kill Kagura. Um, and then they and the villain kicks the garbage can that uh, Shin and um, Kagura are stuck in onto the tracks. And Shinpachi complains that it's it's uncanny timing that the train happens to show up now. And this is going to seem so minor but like there, there's a reason why this annoys me. The train whistle blowing means that the train was imminently coming. That had already been set up. Gintama in that moment was trying to lampoon the uncanny timing that happens in Shonen manga, which is a thing that happens. But like you set up in the context of your own story that the train was on its way. On the other hand, one thing that even a, a even a more like um, like let's talk about the themes type shown in like Hero Academia. Why are the villains as extra as they are? Like shonen villains are hammy as hell. And that villain made a point of setting up a villain speech long enough that he could dramatically kick the garbage can in front of the train right as it was coming. They don't make fun of that, which is something that is a, you know, a kind of dumb and silly trope of shonen. The thing that your story itself already addressed is the thing that you try to um is the thing that you try to cut down it just it's it's a clumsy way of doing parody that makes it seem like it doesn't understand the tropes it's lampooning that is the that is the most severe example of that but there's little things like that all through it. The thing that is the extension of that is when Gintama was doing its serious stuff, when Gintama was doing its character humor, I was engaged. But a lot of it was meta humor that, to me at least, fell extremely flat. And I just did not enjoy it, enjoy it because of that. That's, that's a take. I disagree with it because subjectively I felt those scenes were funny. Yeah, but I I can't define why things are funny to you. Like humor is subjective by its very nature. So as as I started I, off with, yeah. So I, I yeah I can't rebuttal that at all. So uh, cool. I'm somewhere in the middle. Surprise! Uh, you making fun of me, man? <laughs> yeah, I'll, always. Oh man, Sam sitting oh, wow, on the wow, fence. Wow. Big surprise. Take a side, Sam. <laughs> you too. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought, yeah, that, but you can't really debate humor is really what it comes down to. There's not yeah, a, yeah. a super big middle ground on mm. this joke caused me to laugh. Yeah. Okay. okay. I thought it was funny most of the time. Yeah. And when I can, would I continue reading our other question? Maybe if I'm in the mood. I would continue reading if I can read this one chapter at a time. Reading 31 was not the way this was meant to be read. That, 
That also yeah. probably has a lot. And actually, I know for a fact that has a lot to do with it, because I know if I could have stopped and read it slower, I would have been less harsh with a lot of the meta jokes. Which is the big thing about Gintama is like the one thing I really appreciated from that is each chapter normally is a pretty contained story, which yeah. if you're reading Shonen Jump week to week, I really appreciate a contained story, you know, as opposed to here's a chapter of Naruto that starts on a cliffhanger, ends on a cliffhanger, you know, yeah. like having a comedy bit. That's just here is a full vignette. Cool. I'm siding with that take. Are you fucking happy, Matt? <laughs> no, because I would have been happy if you'd done it without me needing to prod you. I don't want to have to fix your behavior, Sam. I want your behavior to be fine in the first place. <laughs> No, <laughs> you're not my dad. Um, so uh, for me, would would I continue reading? So here's probably going to be a weird one. I would not. I would definitely not read this on my own, but I would love to do another episode of it. Because as I said, while a lot of the meta humor I found either groan inducing or annoying, the character humor, the characters and especially the story and the characters in the story are fairly cliche, but they're very well executed. So I'm totally on board with um, continuing discussing the um, uh, the inner workings of Gein himself. So like another episode I'd be all for, but I definitely would not be reading this on my own. Yeah. Cool. And that leaves uh, Jay. I 100% enjoyed this. I like besides the type of humor and I would certainly, I certainly agree with um, the rest of my co-hosts about the pacing would definitely take this a little slower, but I uh, really enjoyed it. So right. considering the fact the pacing was not decided by us, but by the person who recommended this, I fully understand why you told us we needed to get to the end of this arc at the very least. Mm. Yeah, this arc was actual plot and was a lot. It was important to read. So the pacing is our fault. If we do do another episode, it's going to be significantly fewer chapters <laughs> in yeah. one book. Yeah. But it was good to get to where we got to. Just Oh, yeah. Big agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Over Manga Cast. As always, follow us on all of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tell us that our opinions are bad. Tell us that your opinions are good. Recommend manga for us to read. Tell me how wrong I am about Gintama. I want a long monologue about how apparently Matt just never gets criticized by his co-host because he's <laughs> constantly right. I mean, I'll think you're wrong, but, you know, I'll also tell you you're wrong. Did somebody say that? No, but now they won't because I've made them afraid and they're cowards who won't stand up to me. Matt is a contrarian confirmed. <laughs> oh, wow. It took you 32 episodes to figure that out. <laughs> no one's disagreeing with me. Well, clearly. <laughs> At OverMangaCast on all the social medias, like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. We, we read all the comments. It's the best way to directly engage yep. with us outside of Twitter. Despite that entire bit we just did, we do really love hearing from you guys. Um, comments are great on YouTube if you want individual episodes, but uh, the thing that actually really helps us out, um, if you can leave a review on iTunes or any of your podcasters of choice, like nice five-star review, really helps us look like a professional podcast. Because <laughs> we certainly do not make that illusion happen ourselves. Now <laughs> then, next Thursday. Oh, I'm excited.
Yeah. Uh, Sam can't make it, so we're reading more JoJo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> some of us have been dreading what's coming up. I have waited 19 years for this moment. <laughs> we are reading the Metroid prequel manga volumes one and two. You can find it on Metroid database because the day after our next episode airs, so listen to that episode real quick because you got to go play Metroid Dread. Yes, yes. I Metroid Dread. Do it. We have been Do surviving it. this for months now. <laughs> yep. And hopefully Sam will get this all out of his system and then we can be free. We can all be free. <laughs> <laughs> we can all be free. None of you will hear from me for 72 hours starting October 8th. I will only be playing that game. Get your bucket ready. If you are worried about if Sam lives or dies uh, after that date, please follow at OverMangaCast on Twitter, where I will inform you if Sam dies or if he's alive. Uh, indeed. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.